Well, hey, would you give it up for the kids and the and the crew? And that was awesome. And Amanda dancing and Shane rapping. I don't know if you noticed, but Scotland was rapping as well over here on this side. And um, very cool. And the kids, I, you know, obviously all the parents laughed the most at their child. Um, everybody else was watching my son trying to figure out what he said when he was, and I'm just laughing. I think it was awesome. Uh, and his new thing is the shoulder shrug. He's like, what's your favorite present? Cars. Anyways, awesome. What a cool deal. What a cool day. What a great day to be in church. Amen. And it's good to be around amazing people like you. And uh, really cool to be a part of a church like this. And I just fully believe our best days are ahead of us. I'm excited because next year we're launching a, a second location in Fort Worth. And this one's going to multiply and grow like we all believe it should. And I'll work so hard to make happen. And we're going to see people saved, set free, walking in their com- uh, calling, living in community, uh, and really following Jesus well. Amen? And so I'm pumped about it. And, and it's going to be just a great day. I want you to turn to 1 John chapter 4. It's in the very back. It's not the last book, but it's very close. And if you flip too fast, it's going to go past you. Uh, but if you're using your Bible app, then it's all good. Um, why don't you go there. I've got a couple other verses I'm going to read prior to getting to 1 John chapter 4. Uh, but I want you to go to that one because it would be the hardest to find. And so I'm giving you a head start. Uh, it's going to be a good day. Everybody good? If you've not been with us, we've been in this series called Born for This, which is uh, we've really kind of focused on Advent. And the word Advent just speaks to the idea that someone showed up. And in this context, obviously, Advent speaks primarily to, and it's really only a word used around this idea that Jesus showed up. That Jesus showed up once and he's going to show up again. So we, in Advent and really during the Christmas season, celebrate that Jesus showed up and we anticipate that he will show up again. And so we spend our life in the middle of these two moments where we know he has initiated something and he is coming again to complete something. And so the joy that we have at some level now, we will have even more fully then. And so we live as people bringing the kingdom of heaven into the earth. So when we pray, Lord, let your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven, it's almost a reminder that we are to be people doing that. Amen? And so this Advent series, I've actually really, really enjoyed it. And we've talked about uh, hope, which is uh, a confident expectation, not just a wishful thinking, but a confident expectation. So we've been challenging you to expect God in every situation and in every place and in every moment. And we talked about peace, which peace is not just, again, the absence of something, but the presence of something. So peace is the idea that everything is as it should be. And then we talked last week about joy, which is not happiness, because happiness is based upon what is happening, but it is not based upon what is happening. Joy is based upon what has already happened and will never have to happen again, and that is Jesus showed up and gave us life, life eternal, and it is always and will always be present. Amen? And today, we're going to talk about this word, love. But first, before we jump into that, I want to read the verses that we've kind of built this series on. Uh, Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2, and then I'll jump to Isaiah 9, verse 6. It says this, People walking in darkness have seen a great light. A light has dawned on those living in the land of darkness. For a child will be born for us. Everybody say, for us. A son will be given to us, and the government will be on his shoulders. He will be named Wonderful Counselor, which speaks to wisdom, Mighty God, which speaks to power, Eternal Father, which speaks to never, uh, never ending, and Prince of Peace, talking about bringing things as they should be. 
And then Luke chapter 2, verse, uh, I'm just going to read verse 11. We talked about Luke chapter 2 last week when we spoke of joy. And verse 11 says, Today a Savior who is Messiah the Lord was born for you. Everybody say, for you. Turn to the person next to you and say, for you. Turn to the person to the other side and say, for you also. Born for you. I don't know if you, if you catch what I'm kind of throwing out, the things I had you repeat. I think it's actually a really cool, interesting, powerful idea that Christmas was for you, that Jesus showed up for you, that Jesus was born for us. And the idea of us and you are usually not separated in the Bible. So when you read a letter from Paul and he says something about you, he usually, usually is speaking about a people. And so when he says to you, he really, in so many cases, is speaking about us Meaning that most of what we read in here isn't fully experienced without an us. It's, it's rather hard to experience all of this without a us. If you isolate yourself and are on your own, then it can be difficult to live this life of faith. And so this born for us idea, I just think it's so incredible that the God of the universe, the God who created all things, the God who made everything happen, the God who put you here, was actually thinking about you so much that he decided to do something about it and send his son. I think it's so incredible that he didn't just create us and then move on from us. That he didn't just create the earth and then move on to something else. But that he created us and then began over the course of time to continually fill his thoughts with us. And over the course of time continued to try to show to us his love. And then in his final act of showing his love in the most amazing way, in the most incredible way, in the most full way, was by sending his son Jesus. I think that's incredible for you, for us. But the only problem with that, as I told, I, I would say is this, is that, that when you're mad at Target or at the, the local uh, shopping center or whatever, you're buying your last Christmas gift on Saturday, as Talisha was talking about, and you're buying your Christmas presents, when you're frustrated about all the stuff that comes with Christmas, it's your fault. Because Jesus came for you. So all this stuff happened because of you. In fact, if you really want to get, you know, you can look at your friend when you're mad about something and go, this is all your fault. This is all your fault. But Jesus came for us. I think that's cool. Like, I think we could probably just pray and be done. Like, hey, Jesus showed up on the earth so you would know that he loves you and cares about you. And that really is what love does. It, it does something, doesn't it? And that's why I want to read 1 John chapter 4. Hopefully you made it there. Uh, some of you carrying your actual Bible, uh, you're probably realizing how hard it actually is to find. But 1 John chapter 4, uh, verse 9. God's love was revealed among us in this way. God sent his one and only son into the world so that we might live through him. Everybody say, so that. Those are the types of words I underline and circle the most. So that, therefore, because of. When I see a word like that, I go, oh, so this is why he did this. God sent his son into the world, this final revelation, this final demonstration, this most amazing demonstration of love, so that we might live through him. Verse 10, love consists in this, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. That's a big Bible word, and we'll talk about that in a second. Don't go dictionary looking like you, we'll be there in a second, all right? We'll get there in just a minute. I picked this version because I wanted to say that and sound smart. Of course, middle between services, I got corrected on how I was saying it, so I didn't feel so smart anymore. 
About 10 days ago, uh, Wednesday afternoon, was, I was just getting done studying. I was actually in Fort Worth, and I was about to go look for a venue, uh, look at a venue and uh, for our Fort Worth stuff, and I uh, got a phone call from my wife, and, and uh, she's kind of freaking out a little bit, and she says, Hey, you got to, where are you at? I said, well, I'm in forward. You knew that. We talked about that this morning. Hello. And uh, she goes, I'm, you got to come home. I go, what, what's going on? She case and case and fell, and he split his head open. And then she hung up on me. I was like, that's all you need to know. Get home. Like, what am I supposed to do? You know, like, turn on sports talk? Like, what am I supposed to do at this point? Like, I don't, so I start making phone calls. And, you know, every guy, every husband at that moment immediately thinks, you're exaggerating. In fact, someone asked me, did you really think it was that bad? And I go, no, I don't think it was that bad. Was probably no big deal. But I began to make the phone calls. I called my sister who lives just a few streets down from us. She was busy. I called my dad. He didn't pick up. Called my mom. She didn't pick up. Called her mom. She didn't pick up. I'm like, thanks, guys, for being there for us. And, um, and because they always are, that's the thing. They always pick up, except this time. And so I'm driving home, and I, I, I'm making random phone calls to people. Just, can you help? Like, you want to hang out with my wife? My kid's face is bleeding. It's all good. And uh, finally, I get home. I thought she would tell me that she left, but my wife, being the champ that she is, was like, man, I'm getting my seventh-month-old. I'm getting my, my three-year-old who's holding the, the rag on his head, getting them in the car and getting them to urgent care. And, uh, and so I get to the house, and I realize that they're gone, so I post up on the couch watching football. And, uh, no, I, no, I immediately turned, and I went to urgent care, and, um, and I walked in. And this is just the part where I'm bragging on my son. Because I walked in. I heard him crying when she called. But when I walked in, he was sitting on a chair, and he was just hanging out. Like nothing was wrong. And then he was asking me. He goes, Daddy, do you have a boo-boo? I said, no. <laughs> you have one. We're not here for you. We're, are you hurting? I said, no. You're hurting. Like act like this matters, you know. Like we're here. We're about to pay money and stuff. Like make it worth it. And, uh. And he ends up, you know, he doesn't, doesn't need us at all. He watches Curious George while they poke stuff in his face. And then, like, do you care, dude? Um, and it was a crazy deal. But here's the thing. I was going to do whatever it took to get there. When I, when I heard what had happened, and Meredith takes a seven-month-old, takes a three-year-old, packs him in the car. And, like, love does things, doesn't it? Like, love makes sure whatever needs to happen happens. In fact, you can usually tell someone's love not by the fact that they tell you they love you, although you should do that. Okay, please do that. But we, we, it doesn't just happen because of what they tell you. It happens because of what they do, because of what people do, because of how you treat each other, how you talk to each other, how you give things to each other, how you're generous with one another. It is important that love does things, that love takes action. And what we're talking about in this verse and what we're talking about when we talk about Christmas and what we celebrate when we celebrate Christmas is a love that actually does something. We're celebrating a love that didn't just see us from afar and say, I hope things go well for you. But we're talking about a love that saw us and said, we're going to do something to make sure that they never, ever forget that I love them. And really, that's what we're talking about. Whether we're talking Christmas, or whether we're talking Easter, or really anything we talk about when we talk about the gospel and the good news of Jesus, is that what Jesus did on the cross and what Jesus did even when he showed up as a child is give us an, a forever reminder that he loves us. That truly we can never walk through life and never walk through another day or another minute and think that we're unloved. 
Because when we look at what Jesus has done and has accomplished and what he did by showing up, when we look at that, we can never go, well, I'm just no one cares. No one loves me. No one cares about me. No one really, really loves me. And in fact, the word there, when you talk about the word revealed, in some of your translations, it would have said something like made manifest. Uh, some of you would have said demonstration. But the root word for that, the actual word that we get those words from, is, is this idea that, that it's actually brought to light. That something was brought to light. Not that it didn't exist. Not that people weren't already loved, but that it was brought into the light in such a way that everyone could see it. I don't know if you've ever been in a relationship where some things were brought to light. Maybe you're dating someone and someone brought some things to light, like uh, nicknames they have for their parents or like uh, sporting teams they like or the way they eat particular types of food, and you immediately go, this is not okay. Like, we are, we are done. Uh, maybe you're going to buy something and, uh, and, and you, you, a car that you saw a picture of on the internet and, and you, go on, you, know, you go to the dealership and you look around and you, you finally realize they only took three pictures for a reason um, because there were things that weren't there. Do you know what I'm talking about? Uh, it, you, I remember when we were buying our house, uh, I sent my mom the address. I said, hey, you got to check this out. This is awesome because there were no pictures online yet, no updated pictures. She went to the, the most recent that they had, which were three years prior to that, and it had been a drug house, um, and it was completely ripped apart, and it was trashed, and all the pictures she saw, she texted me back. She goes, why are you buying this house? I said, and because what I had walked into was tile floor, and the kitchen was remodeled, and like I didn't have to do anything, and this is good because I don't know how to do anything. And it was awesome, and I'm like, this is great. And I'm texting my mom, you should come see this. She's like, why would I come see this? It's terrible. And until you come and see something, until something is brought into the light in its fullness, we don't completely understand what it is. And so for these people who had watched God do things, he had done so many things to reveal love to them. They, he had set them free. He had moved them into new places, given them a promised land. He had been with them through the desert. He had done so many different things to make sure they knew that he loved them. And yet, in those moments, they didn't quite fully understand it. And then the mystery of our faith is that God sent Jesus Christ so that we would know forever that he loves us. So that it would be brought to the light, brought into the light, that he cares for us deeply. And, and it's also interesting to me that it doesn't just say that God sent his son so that we would know he loves us, but also that we might live through him. I don't know about you, if you took a survey of all your work friends or took a survey of your neighborhood or, or just walked into a mall, especially during Christmas season, and said, hey, so what do you think about Christians? They, I don't know. I don't feel like the first answer would be like, they love to live. Like, Jesus was all about life, man. Like, that's the best thing. The reality is, is that's exactly what Jesus is about. Jesus showed up so that you would know you're loved so that you could actually begin to live. I don't know if you guys have ever had uh, a season of your life or a moment in your life where you don't feel like you're loved or you don't feel like you are giving love. It's not always just about receiving it. Sometimes it very much is about also having someone to give it to. And I don't know about you, but it doesn't matter if you get like a free trip, like vacation on the beach somewhere. If you feel like people don't love you, all you'll do while you're sitting on that beach is think about all the people that don't love you. You'll be pointing people out who shouldn't love you because they don't know you. And you're like, they don't love me. They don't love me either. I don't even know anybody who loves And that's all we would think about. 
Why? Because, because really the, the essence of life is, is, is really truly wrapped up in this idea that love exists and that love happens. And so when we don't have a full understanding or a full revelation of Christ's love for us, it actually hampers our ability to, to live. It hinders the steps we would take if we knew God was fully for us. It hinders the dreams we would dream if we really fully understood that God loves us so much. It, 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 it actually causes us not to love people the way we want to love people because we haven't fully got this idea that God loves us so deeply that he gave his son. I mean, in fact, the very next verse, it says, if God loves us this much, then shouldn't we love each other this way? I mean, this idea that we have someone to love and we are loved should impact our life in such a way that we live more fully. Because that is, at the end of the day, the hope of God is that his creation would live up to the potential that it has. So why does Paul write something like, live this life worthy of the calling placed upon it? Because God didn't just save you to save you. God saved you so that you could live. He sent his son so you would know his love so that you might live through him. And then he says, and, and, and this is what it looks like. Not that we loved him, but that he loved us. It means that every day we get to live in a response to his love. Not trying to conjure up something like, God, I'm going to love you so you can give me something back today so that we can. No, he loves you. He loves you. That never changes. That never, that never shifts or, or, or changes based upon how you were the day before or, or how you were that day. It doesn't ever move based upon the circumstances of life. It is always constant and consistent that Jesus loves you, that God loves you. And he sent Jesus for that very reason, that you could never, ever, ever walk through your day thinking no one loves me. He sent his son so that you would know at all times and in all things that he loves you. And so you would never go chasing something. I mean, the reality of our life is that we pursue almost every day something that would give us more pleasure, more happiness. I read this line this week that said, we will sooner find a cure for cancer than we will for boredom. That somehow we are always, we could we have the coolest stuff. Like we could have, and then we will create fake versions of it, and we like that more than the real thing, and then we get upset with that. And we, we are people who are just constantly driven to find something else to entertain us than what we currently have. If anything, that should speak to us of the very thing that we all need love, that we all need something that fulfills us so that we can begin to live this thing out the way we want to and need to, the way God's called us and created us to. And so this love actually tells us that we should live more fully. And then it goes on uh, in verse 10. Love consists in this, not that we love God, but that he loved us. And that is what love is. is love is the desire to benefit others even at the expense of ourselves. Love is humble. It's kind. Right? It, it, you, it's hard to be prideful and arrogant. Uh, it's hard to be caught up in yourself and love people the way they deserve to be loved. Right? And sometimes the reason we need uh, to know this and hear this and be reminded of this all the time, the reason that has to happen is because sometimes there are people who don't maybe deserve the love that they want, but we as people who know Jesus should give that kind of love regardless. Right? I mean, if you really think about it, God loved us when we didn't look so good. We weren't doing so hot. And he loved us. 
Because love is what actually unlocks the potential of people. Love is what actually unlocks the value of people. Love is what unlocks actual the things God's put in people. And until we truly love them, we will never see in them the life God's created for them to live. So if we don't love people, even when they don't deserve it, then we won't see in them all the things we desire to see in them. And then it says this. And this, I really wanted to hit on this. It seems uh, maybe a bit different than a Christmas message, but I did want to make sure we hit on this. It says this, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Now, I want to read this in a different translation because I don't think any of us are like, yeah, I totally know that word. I used it yesterday. This is what it says in the Amplified Translation. It says, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation, that is, the atoning sacrifice and the satisfying offering for our sins. Now listen to this part. Fulfilling God's requirement for justice. Now understand, justice is not just a, a word that says for punishment. I think when we read the word justice in the Bible, we immediately think what he's saying is he needs to, he needs to punish and discipline and make sure. No, the word justice, very similar to the word peace, means that all things would be made right. So when we want justice, what we're really saying is we want all things to be made right, to go back to the way they were meant to be and the way they were created to be. So when God pursues justice, what he's pursuing is the life he created for you, the, the way this earth was created to be. And so when we say justice, we're not talking about a punishment term. We're talking about a, how can we make things right again? It says this word justice, but then it goes on and says against, this is important, fulfilling God's requirement for justice against sin. See, I've, I think we so many times get this so wrong. So when he says he sent his son as a, re a revelation of, of his love so that we might live, and then follows it up by saying that he came so that he could pay the price and placate the wrath of God against sin. Hear this, because again, we immediately go into this legalistic view of these terms. The reality of is, is that God is trying to set us free from the things that are trying to keep us locked up. That God is trying to give us life, okay, against the things that are trying to give us death. He's actually trying to, to make sure the things that are meant to destroy you and hurt you, selfishness, pride, arrogance, disobedience, all those things, they're not there to help you. They're, they're actually, they're working to destroy you, to hurt you, and to call life away from you. And God sent his son so that you would know you're fully loved, so that you could live through him because he's paid a price and gotten rid of all the things that have been trying so hard to destroy you. And so this love is not a love that just kind of hangs around. It says, I just showed up because I wanted you to know I love. No, this is a love that said, okay, I'm here. Now I'm going to live perfect. I'm going to live for you. I'm going to live with every thought ca captivated by who you are and this joy set before me. I'm going to endure this cross, and I'm going to rise again, not just so that I could be God, but so that, because I was already God. Let me just tell you this. I was already in heaven. I was already hanging out there. That's the uniqueness of the gospel, that I wasn't, I didn't go to heaven and come back. I was already in heaven and was sent. That's the difference. Jesus is different in that very way, that he never went to heaven and came back. He was already in heaven and came to earth and went back home. And he said, I, 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 should, I, I was already God. 
I didn't need anybody to tell me I was God. I didn't need to, like, I could have stood up there and just done all the commands up there, and I could have done everything. No, I, I needed to show up because I just had so, too many people thinking I didn't love them. I had too many people thinking I wasn't for them. I had too many people forgetting that I loved them so much. So I wanted to come and reveal to them and make manifest and bring to light that I love you and that never, ever changes. And what I'm going to do is not fight against you. I'm not coming to give justice, to take justice from you. I'm coming to give justice to sin. I'm coming to take care of all the things that would try to destroy your heart, destroy your mind, destroy your body, destroy the things that I've created you for. And so I showed up so that all would go away. And if you would just simply receive this and you would walk in this by faith, through grace, if you would just take hold of this thing, this idea that, I, you know what, I already showed up. I love you. I care deeply about you. Never, ever forget that. If you would if you show up and receive that, all of a sudden you can live in that. I mean, what if, what if you woke up every single day, every single day, and knew deeply in your heart, that you are loved more than you could ever be loved by anybody else. That you are loved more than anyone else could ever love you. That you are loved beyond anything that could ever be done. You are loved. Period. There is nothing that will change that. Nothing that will shake that. Nothing that we brought to light that could go above that. That Jesus showed up so you would know every single day you were made for a reason. That you were created with purpose. And that I love you so much that I would show up in, on this earth and do something that no one else could do. So you could walk freely, fully, completely committed to what God's called you to. That's what Christmas is. That's what Christmas is. So you wake up Sunday morning, you open some presents. It's all good. It's like there's nothing wrong with that. But when we really begin to think about what this season represents, uh, we walk through this next week looking at our bank account, looking at the presents we haven't gotten and worried about, well, are my kids going to love me if I don't get them this? Or if gonna, you know, all these kind of discussions and all these things and all the arguments that come up. How, why does that happen, right, during Christmas? It seems like you get, man, these are when the fights get good, you know, like just, like, and there's, there's just something that goes on in these, right? And, and, and during all of those things, here's what I'm asking you to do. Here's what I'm really challenging you to do. Remember that the whole reason we're doing this, the whole reason we're in this place is because God said, for you and for us, I'm going to send my son so they would never, ever, 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 ever forget that I love them, that I want hope for them, that I want peace for them, that I want joy for them, and that I want them to know that I love them more than they would ever be loved by anything or anyone on this earth. Amen? That's Christmas. Let's carry that. Let's carry that every day. Let's carry that every single day of our life. That we're loved. Because of this love, we can love. We can fully love. We've been set free. been forgiven. been called. Amen. Would you bow your heads with me? I'm going to pray. And in just a minute, after I pray, I'm going to ask for those of you who would say, you know what, I, I gosh, I've forgotten that love. I, uh, I don't live that way every day. In fact, there's some things that have happened to me just in the last few weeks or months that have caused me to forget it or to short-circuit it or to not think that highly of it. And Christmas gets stressful because I've lost family or I don't have people around that I wanted to have around, whatever the case might be. And, and uh, in a moment, I'm going to ask you to 
to raise your hand just in a moment to pray over the love that Christ wants to give you and I, the love that Christ has made available to you and I, the love that was revealed to you and I. God, I thank you so much. I thank you so much that you gave us a gift like Jesus, that you gave us your son so that tomorrow when we wake up and Tuesday when we wake up and next Sunday when we wake up and January 7th when we wake up and and next December uh, when we wake up and, and all those days and everything in between, God, that we would never, ever, ever forget that we're loved, that we would have a constant reminder that we're loved. And because of that love, we could fully live through him. And for some of us, uh, this season, this year, these last couple years, we have forgotten that. We've not walked in that. We've not stepped into that. We've not received it. For whatever reason, we have fought this idea that we're loved on a regular basis. Maybe someone had done something. Maybe someone said something. Maybe the world has just given us these ideas that we're not what we think we should be. And you're here. Christmas is here to remind us that we are loved. We're loved fully, completely. Nothing greater than the kind of love you've shown us. And so for some of us today, for many of us, I think, uh, we have an opportunity to respond and say, God, I want that. I want that constant, eternal reminder, revelation, demonstration your love towards me, that I would walk in my life fully loved so that I can fully live and fully love others. If that's you today and you'd say, you know what, I, I want to know I'm fully loved. And some of you fellows, you immediately hear that term and you go, no, I'm, I'm good, I'm good. But even you struggle sometimes with some insecurities or some frustrations and you think somehow it makes you less of something or not worthy of something. And God would say, you're fully loved. You are fully and completely loved. If that's you, anyone in here, you say, you know what, I, I, I want to experience that. I want to walk in that. I want to be reminded of that. And I want to join in prayer with you, Brandon. I want to join in prayer with you right now because I want to walk my days fully loved. Every step and every moment. If that's you, would you just right now be bold, courageous, raise your hand. I'm just going to pray with you. I'm going to pray with you right where you are. If that's you, you say, you know what, I want, I want to walk in that. I haven't walked in that lately. Thank you. I see that. Thank you. I see that. Thank you. Awesome. Anybody else? Sometimes that's the hardest thing to, we could talk about peace and hope and joy and we could go, I want more joy and I want more peace. But there's something about love that kind of almost actually makes us step back. We almost go, I'm not sure I can even accept that because somehow we attach value to ourselves. We, we think, well, I'm not worth it or I'm not, you know what, I'll figure it out. I'll figure it out. I got this. So some, some of us, we're not raising our hand, not because we don't believe it, but because we're not sure we're, we're the people to receive it. And I just want to encourage you. God wants more than anything else on this world, more than anything else on this earth, for you to know that you're loved immensely, completely, fully, so you can f- be free to live fully. If there's anybody else who'd say, that's me, I want to know this kind of love, would you just raise your hand? It might take a little boldness. Maybe if someone's sitting next to you, you know what, just do it. It's, they might need to see you raise your hand to know that they can raise theirs. Anybody else? Awesome. So good. God, we pray right now for those who lifted their hand. We pray for those who didn't. But we do pray for those who stepped out and said, that's me. That's me. I just, I need to know I'm fully loved. And I can tell I'm not fully loving people because I haven't, man, I just haven't really been living with that understanding and revelation in my life. 
And so I want to pray right now that I would know I'm fully loved. And God, would you show me over these next several days and weeks that you do love me? Let me recognize those things and those moments where you're showing up in my life. Let me not go chasing love from other things. Let me not go pursuing it from other things uh, to fill a void that only you can fill. I pray that I would know forever and every day and every moment that you love me. Let me expect, God, that you would love me, that you would show yourself to me in every moment. But we thank you for today. We thank you for what you're doing. We thank you for who you are. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.